We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers speak basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, and joined as always by Tim, a.k.a. Cranjus Basketball. And Tim, we are two games into the NBA season, the Lakers, for I think the third year in a row, are 0-2. I think this is right about where we expected them to be after two tough games against the Warriors and the Clippers, but it has felt a little bit disheartening to see how we got toe into the Lakers. Now they fought back, got made it a good game against the Clippers, showed some flashes, but they're just long stretches, Tim, where nobody can make a shot by stretches. I mean, entire games. So that's the number one trending topic right now is talking about the Lakers shooting, I guess, just I'll open it up to you, but uh, what are you seeing out there in general? Uh, are you concerned as everyone about the lack of shooting, even though we've been talking about it all summer? Go off, King. So it's it's been bad. If it's felt bad, that's because it's been bad. The team is shooting 22.4% on their threes. We didn't expect this to be a good three-point shooting team, but it's, it won't it won't be this bad. Like we won't simultaneously see every player up and down the roster have their worst three point shooting season of their career. Like that won't happen. Russ is a bad three point shooter. He's not going to shoot 11%. JTA is not going to shoot 14%. Lonnie Walker is not going to shoot 17%. Beverly, not 18. LeBron's at 28. That'll be higher. AD's at 29. And I feel like that, you know, he's the one guy that's like around where I expected. None's at 30%. And it doesn't feel like that. So it's, it's been bad, but it will be better. We got 0 for 5 combined between Reeves, Swider, and Damian Jones. I'm I'm trying not to overreact. I'm trying to stay grounded. It what like it sucked. It won't be this bad in the future. I would love, you know, it doesn't change my perspective that I would love for them to add more shooting. I'm still interested in various trades that we've talked about, but this same group of players will shoot better in the future. Like I guarantee it. They, it can't be this bad. And part of that is because they're generating pretty good shots. This isn't, we're not seeing 48 minutes of, you know, two seconds left on the clock, sprinting to catch off of a screen. It's contested, you know, some bailout late clock stuff. We're seeing a really high volume of these threes be stationary, catch and shoot, wide open threes. And they just haven't been falling. The shot quality is there. We see it in the games. It's, you know, in the data, there's, you know, counting how many times these shots are open or wide open, they're pretty darn open. So as much as like, I do expect several of these players to not be good three-point shooters on the season, we will, once the better shooters start shooting better, it'll feel a bit, a little bit better. And the bad shooters will start shooting better as well. Like it, it, it just can't continue like this. So I feel okay about it. It sucked. It won't suck this bad. One thing I did notice, and I've been logging every half court play the Lakers have run this season so far, all 150 of them or whatever it's been, 200 of them, I don't know. A, a big mature, a, 
I'm sorry, big majority of the Lakers threes when they're running plays are coming from LeBron, Kendrick Nunn, Matt Ryan, and Pat Beverly. Those are four guys, not all of them are shooting well right now, but those are four guys that in the past have been pretty good shooters, adjusting for their difficulty, pretty consistently good shooters. And when they're running plays, they're basically choosing LeBron, you're going to get a catch and shoot three. We're going to run. Instead of having you be the ball handler, we'll let Russ or Walker, somebody else do that. You're going to be the shooter in this play. You're going to get a good shot. Matt Ryan's getting good shots. Uh, Kendrick Nunn's getting good shots. Pat Beverly's getting good shots. When they're just freelancing, it's much more evenly distributed and we're seeing more like Russ threes or JTA threes or, you know, AD threes. Maybe not as ideal, but the team, it's it's not, I don't know. I, when everyone's shooting poorly, it almost feels like only the bad players are shooting threes. It hasn't been quite that bad. So from a process standpoint, it's okay. I'm in an okay spot and I feel that, you know, it's it's going to bounce back and we'll see this team be an acceptable level of three-point shooting team. If they shot 30% instead of 22% so far, they may have won the Clippers game and probably would have been much more competitive in the Warriors game. And like you mentioned before, 0-2 is what we expected. If I didn't watch either game and you told me we're 0-2, I'd say, okay. You know, <laughs> and like, it was the Warriors. They just won the title. And the Clippers are a very, very good team, even with some of their guys not playing as much. Like, they're a really, really darn deep team. Great coaching. Portland, they should win. If they lose that, that's worrisome. Utah, they should beat them both times they play them in the first 10 games. And then I was expecting four and six for the first 10 games. That's three wins. And then you need to steal one between two Denver games, a Minnesota game, a Pelicans game, and a Cavs game. If you start four and six, that's, you know, that was my baseline before watching these first two games. And I'm going to, you know, there are more losses than wins. It's not going to feel great, but this is a rough stretch to start the year. So you don't want to get too down just because the team's losing games they should be losing. That's all fair and good measured and, you know, logical, but the, the feels, the vibes uh, are not there quite yet. Tam, I know you can't qu quite mm -hmm. quantify that, but um, although you can say, yes, these players will be better. This two game sample size is not very good. The concern that I have with this team shooting is, is mostly like, you know, in the closing time when it in those big like clutch moments in the times where ad or where uh lebron's not on the floor you know you see a lot of lineups that are just struggling to kind of get through their different looks on offense and have an organizer um now that's part of why i think that's a good argument for rust on the bench i was kind of intrigued by some of those minutes he had in the preseason um because and we'll get into the rotations later. I don't think the rotations have exactly helped <laughs> with, with some of these things uh, early on. But despite the shooting being so bad and the Lakers being so competitive, I guess I would say, in these two games against good teams, there's never a moment in those games where it felt like if we could only make a shot, we would, would turn this game around. And now maybe it's, you know... I can't prove what didn't happen, how I would feel if those shots did go in. But watching this team, when it's it's surprising to see the shots go in. So say regression kicks in. I still think this is like the 27th to 30th best three-point shooting team in the league. And that's just the way the NBA is right now. It's just not a way to build a good offense. Um, that's understandable. Yeah. One point of hope I have is that even with them shooting as poorly as they did, when the team was running their set plays or when they were isolating in the poster on the perimeter and the defense was loading up and they ran one of the counters to it, there were 52 times they did that. On 48% of those plays, they got a shot at the rim. So when they're running organized offense, they're, they're getting to the rim. They're designing either good catch and shoot threes or they're getting to the rim when they're just kind of out there playing ball, trying to figure it out, we're seeing what you're talking about where the, the threes aren't falling. So the defense doesn't respect that as much. And, you know, the paint's clogged up and they're trying to get in there, but they're not quite organized. And it results in like a late clock, you know, GTA, take a three, Russ, take a three. And that's not what we want. 
but it is encouraging to me to know that when they are running stuff, it's they're still able to get to the rim. And that was something I was worried about is if, you know, if you don't have to respect the shooters, you just can't get to the rim and then you're in, in an awful, awful place. But thankfully, I, I do still think, you know, the execution could be better on these plays. They've installed, they've run 39 different plays in the first two games, unique plays um, between their set plays, their baseline out of bounds or sideline out of bounds. If you include preseason, they're up to like over 80 unique plays right now. That's a lot, dude. That's that's like more than Frank Vogel's entire tenure. And when you're running 80 plays, it's hard. You're trying to memorize and remember a lot of that. Not all of them. Some of them are ATOs. But when you're trying to remember all of that, the sharpness of your execution is not going to be there as much. And we're seeing that. And and I, I think that leans right into like what you were describing, where they're not as, you know, they're trying to be organized, but it's not quite as crisp. And despite that, they're still getting pretty good shot quality and breaking good good shots, not just, you know, good shot location, but a good shot for the person you want taking the shot. I think they're going to trim down on that a little bit. I think they're going to stop adding as much. And I think with more reps, more execution, we'll see the degree of success for the team increase. And then they've run motion uh, offense a good, let's see, 25 plays so far. And that's something where chemistry matters. You're trying to like anticipate what your teammates are going to do. And two games into the season, they just don't know yet. So that's an area that we should tangibly see get better as the season progresses. So I still see, I see what you're saying, but I'm still seeing some of the process things look okay. And I only, you know, every indication is they should get better over time. So, I mean, the cynic in me would be like, that poor shooting on that high quality is not a good combination. Um, now, again, that's like very below the line shooting. That is not, yeah, that's not when NBA players shoot 14% unless you're, you know, a center it takes 10 threes a year or something. Right. So, mm-hmm. but the thing that, and okay, here, let me, let me phrase it like this to you. Cause I saw you tweeting about this too, Tim. On these plays, they're getting Lakers. Uh, Lakers are getting wide open shots. Help the audience and help me understand the framing of the. There's kind of a chicken the egg argument here, right? Are the Lakers getting open shots on the weak side because their offense is setting up open shots, or is there, or is the defense playing against them happy to let them take those shots with those lesser shooters instead of a LeBron James or Anthony Davis drive or Russell Westbrook drive? Is this a a intentional thing from other teams you think or is this kind of just the natural process of the offense yeah so it's important to understand when people are watching that regardless of if it's Steph Curry or Damian Jones standing in the the weak side corner if there's a drive that happens and there's a breakdown and the, the driving player will get a layup or a dunk it is your job as that weak side player to rotate and stop the rim and, and trust your teammates to rotate behind you and get over to Steph. You might be a little bit closer to Steph than a normal player. You might be half a step further away from Damian Jones, a normal, a normal player. But you will make that rotation regardless of who that is. So the fact that defenses are needing to rotate and they are, when the Lakers are running set plays, they're creating situations where often it's a roll man is rolling and either you can stop him or you can stay on the corner shooter and the team is purposely putting better shooters in the corner. Or maybe they'll even have that shooter run from the corner up to the wing. Right. So it's not even I need to move left and then back to right. It's need, it's I move left and then, oh, shoot, right. I need to move an extra couple feet because my move, guys run away from it's me. It's like, so when would I'm you rather seeing, give up a 100% two-point field goal or a 50% three-point field goal? Exactly, exactly. And, and even 50 might be generous for the best right. shooters in the league. So, so yeah, those rotations are happening, but we're seeing, I mean, like LeBron's threes, if you go look at his, just run through all the threes he's taken. So many of them are wide open. He's standing still and a play was being run where his man needed to go stop a driver, needed to go stop a roll because the, the team used a smart concept that gave themselves a numbers advantage in some way. Um, so they're scheming good shots for Matt Ryan, for LeBron James, for Kendrick Nunn, who should be a good shooter, for Pat Beverly, who should be a good shooter. If it were, if we were watching Russell Westbrook be left alone and take 23s a game, I'd say, you know, yeah, no, this is what the defense wants. And there were periods of time against Golden State 
where the Lakers were trying to post up with AD or LeBron or isolate. And Golden State was packing the paint. And they knew if the Lakers throw a skip pass, we'll recover to it. And these guys aren't going to hit a contested three. And they lived with those shots. When the, you know, later in that game, the Lakers figured out, okay, if they do that, we can cut to the middle of the paint and compromise that help defense and get some good shots. Or we can set screens for each other on the weak side. And instead of all five defenders staring at LeBron, they need to go run around and defend their men. And they were able to open up the floodgates for their 1v1 guys to go 1v1 instead of 1v3. So that little tactical battle was why the Lakers, it was partially, you know, again, they didn't hit shots, but it was partially why the Lakers fell as far behind as they did against Golden State. But during that game, we saw them on the fly figure it out, implement changes, and then use those changes to punish the help defense enough that they were, you know, racking up good points. And then enough so that the defense wasn't helping anymore so that LeBron and AD could go 1v1. And then that carried over to the Clippers game and was working pretty well also until we got to the last like four minutes of the game. The last four or five minutes of the game, the Lakers ran seven of of their last like eight plays. They did not run any sort of play. It was just go figure it out basketball. And they had AD out there. They had Russ out there. They had Lonnie Walker out there. They had... LeBron and who would the fifth guy have been? Uh, so in the uh, in the you're talking about the last four minutes of the Clippers game. It yeah. was Westbrook, Beverly, LeBron, Walker, Davis. Okay. And Westbrook came out for the last when, minute. Mm-hmm. So when LeBron's on ball, and you know the Lakers are just kind of standing around with Russ and AD, and they're not countering that help. That's what the Clippers started sending double teams at LeBron. Um, I was I was texting a friend after the game and I was like, wow, you know, we were talking about, wow, it, it was weird to not see the team run the offense through the LeBron the last couple of minutes. Is is that purposeful? Is, you know, he not up to it? Is that a factor of the scheme? What's going on? In a rewatch, I'm like, oh, shoot, they were trying to run the offense through LeBron, but the Clippers were doubling him. So he made the right play. He found open guys. We saw AD. We saw Russ. We saw Pat Beverly each, I think, four times between the three of them turn down a wide open three because they had no confidence and then try to drive on a guy who was already sacking off of them. And when they're not running plays to counter the help, it's just bad offense. When they were running the right counters, they were getting good shots. So it's, it's certainly a challenge. It's a thing that's happening, but when the team is organized and they know what's coming and they know how to attack it, they're generating good shots for the right players and they've been successful. I can, I can go point at, I, and again, I've logged every play they've run for the, Let's see, eight different plays they ran a help beater. They got 10 points, 1.25 points per possession. 90% of those were at the rim. 87.5% of those were at the rim. The other 12.5% were catch and shoot threes and, and they you know, nailed it. Um, just because you're packing the paint doesn't mean you can't get to the rim. Because when they're you know sagging in and everybody's staring at LeBron, you can cut right in the middle, catch and, and you know throw a little floater up. That's stuff that can happen and we see the better teams do it. It's just how frequently is are the Lakers able to do so, and that's going to dictate success for them. I don't know if you noticed this, but I was thinking about this a little bit with Lonnie Walker had a nice offensive game, at least against the Clippers with his 25, uh, mm-hmm. 26 points, excuse me, uh, played a lot. It was a lot of Lonnie Walker going on the first few games, but he's he's looked okay. But my big, big thought about him is that he's really the only guy who can attack a closeout and get himself a basket. Because when you see these these skip passes going over and you see these guys getting the swing, swing, find the open guy. uh, I feel like defenses are really aggressive in how they're closing out because a lot of these guys aren't going to blow past that closeout, try to get to the lane and finish with athleticism or finish with a floater. And Lonnie's really mm-hmm. been the only one who's been able to do that in the past. Caruso, KCP, it could be wild when KCP does it, but <laughs> you know, there we had mm-hmm. a decent Kuzma array of guys who could continue that advantage where you see that uh, skip pass kind of fizzle out. And like you said, toward the end of the game, guys aren't making shots. They're turning down, they're over swing passing and they're, you know, losing that advantage and they just don't have the, um, the time on the shot clock to regain that kind of great look again. Yep. No, that's a, that's a great observation. Reeves is someone that should be able to help there. He's played only 
16 and then 21 minutes in these two games. Uh, he can aid there, but Walker has been doing a great job with that. So many of his points aren't just him isolating. It's not him, you know, catching and shooting as much. It's not him running ball screens. It's a lot of him spotting up, catching and attacking a closeout. And like you said, a lot of these defenders, they're able to either close out really hard and take away the three and know you're not going to beat them off the dribble. Or if it's Russ, they close out short and say, take it. And and then a lot of these times he's not. And, and so that's a problem. And when the team is able to use the right counters, what they're doing with those non-shooters or guys who aren't as good at attacking closeouts is they're moving them before the catch. And they're taking advantage of you, you know, you know, I'm guarding Tom, but if my eyes are closed for three seconds, it's going to be really hard for me to defend him if, you know, then suddenly he gets the ball and I'm out of position. That's basically what they're doing by these guys staring at LeBron or AD, whoever it is on ball is, you know, flash these guys across the baseline, flash them into the middle of the paint, run split cuts, run these different things. And uh, as long as you have a shooter involved, if you know, none is in there or uh, Ryan is in there or somebody and you're running some sort of off screen thing on the weak side, the defense can't ignore it because if you get Kendrick Nunn wide open threes or Matt Ryan wide open threes, they in theory should be hitting them at a pretty good rate. So that occupies those defenders. And then, you know, if you're able to pull a couple guys out of the paint, then you can cut and, you know, generate good looks elsewhere. JTA, he had a dunk in the last game and I think a layup in the first game with a cut from the wing to the middle of the paint. The guy on ball found him and he got a great shot off. A third time they ran it, he cut and the guy in the corner behind him lifted from the corner to the wing. Both defenders took JTA away and then the skip pass was wide open. And instead of needing to attack a closeout or hitting a semi-contested shot, it was truly a wide open shot. So, you know, there are those little things that the team can do. I'll have to put out some video to show people what I'm talking about, but... What I'm encouraged by is even though the threes haven't been falling big picture, in half a game, Darvin Ham figured out answers to something Frank Vogel had been seeing for two plus years and really struggled to counter. And he implemented, you know, Darvin Ham implemented changes. The team used it against Golden State. It helped them, you know, fuel a comeback. It wasn't just a bullshit comeback. It wasn't, you know, the Warriors benches in altogether. There were some plays of that. There were some plays they weren't getting back on defense, but for a good period of time, the Lakers were generating really good shots because they made adjustments. Um, they came out after halftime with great shot after great shot after great shot. They've been doing a lot of the right things. The shots just haven't been falling. And I think that's kind of clouded the way we're looking at stuff. Um, and then they carried over those, those takeaways and those adjustments to the Clippers game. And as soon as the Clippers started sending extra help in the first quarter, Lakers started countering it. And then the Clippers didn't help for another like two quarters. And that's how you see LeBron. That's how you see AD go off. That's, you know, when Russ has good matchups, he should be able to bully a Steph Curry and get to the rim against him um, as long as you can remove that help defense. So I'm encouraged by the fact that we're seeing them learn and implement and, you know, you know, push the right buttons in a way, even if the shots aren't falling. The results are worse than the process has been so far by far. OK, OK. So <laughs> I remember a couple of pods back. I uh, I went, you know, we we talk a little bit before the show and I was like, Hey, uh, you want to talk any of all about this Matt Ryan guy or Dwayne Bacon? And we were like, no, let's just move on. <laughs> well, Matt Ryan's on the team now, Tim. Um, your, your man, Matt Ryan, Indianapolis Colts quarterback. Um, that's right. What do you think? You gotta give we haven't, him. we haven't had a chance to talk much about him. Um, the op- obviously a laser shooter, uh, very willing and uh, not shy, like uh, Cole Swider. One thing I noticed, it was interesting. Maybe it was just one or two possessions, but, you know, kind of the scheme, the base scheme you've seen from the Lakers is the the drop. If there's a like a big, small pick and roll, you know, we were running the AD, Damian Jones. You're seeing them drop a lot. But all the one through three stuff is all switched, right? Any little side screen or uh you know rub or anything like that lakers are switching most of those uh i think it was the second or third quarter matt ryan's in you know paul george has the ball trying to target matt ryan and he blitzes he blitzed and it was like what does this man literally have his own pick and roll rules and he probably does yeah Yeah, he probably does (laughs) he he does um 
it didn't look great. It didn't like he didn't do anything bad, but he just doesn't have the foot speed to kind of blitz and recover. And or at least like maybe on the back end that you can have an AD kind of play free safety between two guys. And Matt Ryan just pulls out to like the other corner guy and replace. But as much as we need his shooting, it's going to it's going to rear its head, I feel like, on that defensive side, much like we had issues or, or concerns with Cole Swider. But what do you think about Matt Ryan? I haven't really had a chance to talk to you about him yet. Yeah, you, you've, I think, pinpointed the strengths and weaknesses pretty well. Him being two for five on threes isn't high enough volume to make up for the defense that we're seeing. And... I mean, you know, I want him to be able to take more threes and make more threes. He should put up a good percentage. He's been a good three-point shooter, and that's the strength you get from him. He can also, you know, not really attack a closeout, but he'll pump fake, dribble, usually in, not to the side, and then take a long two instead. But he's a spot-up guy. He's an off-screen guy. He's a movement shooter. He defensively is not good. In college, I was able to find some old PIPM data, which was our uh, predecessor of LeBron. RIP, PIPM, it's not with the Wizards. Um, he in college was a bottom 20% impact defender against much worse competition. Yeehaw, brother. We're seeing that. The, <laughs> the fact that he's not switching, he needs to show and recover, speaks to the fact that they do not want to let him have to guard anybody on ball. And that pushes other defenders into matchups that maybe they wouldn't ideally be in. And it also creates those kinds of situations where you're temporarily putting two defenders on the ball just to avoid a switch, which, you know, gives up numbers advantages for the offense. So that's been challenging. There was a segment of uh, Pat Beverly, your, your boy, Mike's up uh, during the game where he was sitting on the bench and he was talking to him. He's like, when they're running over there, you got to nudge him. You got to bump him, like get him off his line, like do something to buy us an extra half second. So it's easier for us to recover. If you just let him run in and then get out of there, it's impossible to defend is what he was saying. Um, and we saw in-game Matt Ryan start doing some of that, which was good. He was taking the coaching. Um, but it speaks to like, yeah, he's got his own package for a bad reason <laughs> um, because he's not someone the Lakers want around the ball. He's not particularly a good rotator. He's just defensively. It's it The team defense looks worse when he's out there. They need to play a different scheme basically and you know he's not able to you know they're not playing on a string when he's out there because he's not rotating the way he needs to so that's concerning they need to find ways to get more threes up for him because if not he he's not really adding the value see after i think it was a timeout because he played he played like a nine minute stretch from the end of the first quarter to the second can't believe Matt Ryan has first quarter minutes in the second game of the season. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but to your point, it's the, them almost, and this might be a strong word, but compromising their defensive fundamentals because they are in such dire need of extra shooting. This man mm -hmm. was not in the NBA, you know, a month ago, two months ago. Yeah. And the fact that he a year ago, he was working at a cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> look good for you matt like i'm not saying you don't belong or anything this mm -hmm. is more about the lakers than it is about you like good for you i hope you succeed because we need you um it's just kind of a uh a, a symptom of what the disease of this roster construction has been that matt ryan has to come in, in game two and yeah i know this troy brown injuries and Schroeder's out and thomas bryant's out but come on man matt matt ryan minutes like again don't hate Matt Ryan. It's just a little shocking to see. Um, and I think it speaks a lot about the roster construction. Yeah, you're spot on. So it's like, it's like we brought Mello back pretty much. Like uh, it's, it's a, that kind of guy where it's like, yeah, he could shoot. That's it. Right. <laughs> that's, that's what you get. Uh, and it's funny to hear. I think the Lakers were working out Mo Harkless. Yeah. Um, it's the opposite. It can't shoot nothing on offense, but he is a wing size player and he used to play pretty good defense and he now maybe plays okay defense. Like they're like one skill at a time, very much against the, uh, what did Jarvin him say? We don't want shooters. We need basketball players. Wow. They've got one shooter and now they're looking for like the inverse of it. No heartless potentially. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not, not great, but, um, 
yeah, well, we'll get into more of it, Tim. I, I want to take a quick break here and then we can come back on the other side and talk about some of the rotations that we've seen in the first couple games. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we are back. Tim, I want to ask you your impression of the Lakers starting lineup. Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, Lonnie Walker, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. AD at the five, so it has to be a good lineup, right, Tim? That's what I'm told. Twitter streets are saying, but I we did our lineup, you know, episode, you know, a little bit before the season. I fucking hate this lineup so much <laughs> mm-hmm. tell us more i don't okay so for for one it's disappointing to see austin not have his shot really falling quite yet if it was close to falling i think he's a no-brainer starter um and i had patrick beverly and austin reeves but and again it's two two games he's only played 36 minutes well but yeah, in the preseason, taken, Reeves is taking – he's 0 for 3 on threes and what, 2 for 2 on two-pointers. But like, it didn't feel like the shot was there in the preseason. It doesn't feel like okay. – and again, that's no stats or data. I can really back that up other than when he gets the ball on a swing on an open three, do I feel good about it? And the answer is not quite. I feel better than some other guys when, when it gets to them, but – there's still some room there. All that said, 36 minutes for Austin in two games is not enough. Um, I I think he and what the Lakers need from him that surprises me the most is like that offensive organization, the secondary playmaking stuff, even primary stuff, because it's not there with none. It's not really there with Beverly. I mean, he's a little bit better, but I trust Austin and getting the ball and finding that right guy each time but it doesn't seem like that is what they're going to be expecting from him anytime soon but i don't know rotation like what do you think of the starting lineup tim do you hate it as much as me or is it just me no you're not alone i don't i don't like it uh there's not a whole lot of shooting there even in theory not even in practice there's no shooting in any lineup in reality right now but even in theory there's not much shooting there it's small although At this point, it's about as big as we're seeing at this point. Um, the Lakers' ro- rotation roster in general is, is pretty small. Um, but with that group specifically, we're seeing a lot of the issues that we expected to see. Like when Russ isn't on the ball, he's not adding value. Um, Beverly's not hitting his shots. His playmaking has not been – I have not liked his decision-making. He's, he's had a couple – do you see that the lobby through to Austin Reeves? Um, it was like, man, had, that's, is that prime Russell Westbrook you think is going up? Like, what is happening? <laughs> uh, not too many guys are going to catch that pass. Like, 
he I think he had like two or three bad passes in a really short stretch there, but I haven't liked his playmaking. Lonnie's had some nice passes. He's had some good highlight ones. Um, but man, that lineup subbed with like Reeves in and Beverly out or Reeves in and Russ out, I like a lot better, I think. Um, I would love to see Russ off the bench, you know, spread that ball handling, get that, get his playmaking in with the bench groups. Defensively, it helps you a lot. I, I know Russ got how many steals did he get? He could have had eight steals for all I know. That's what Twitter was telling me. Three steals, four steals, two steals. Uh, his defense otherwise was not not particularly good. I went back and I rewatched the game for the offensive scheme, and I logged every play, and then I rewatched Walker, Nunn, Beverly, and Russ's defensive minutes just to just to see what they looked like as the team's trying to probably trying to sort through some of these guys and none ended up playing a lot better defensively than I figured watching live. He had like two mistakes, I think, and was otherwise like 95% of the time was doing a good job. Uh, uh, Walker was blown by a couple times. He died on a couple screens, but it wasn't as bad as I was expecting going into the year. Cause the, the off ball stuff has kind of been, they've, they've hidden that a bit, a pretty good bit. Um, Russ is like, are you seeing the closeouts he's doing? Like he's getting, he's letting himself get out of position just by not staying with his guy. And then just either not closing out or just like running at the guy and jumping with two hands and completely taking himself out of plays. Um, every now and then he's doing something good, but it's like 50, 50 if he's horrendous or adequate on a defensive possession. And then like 10% of the time he's doing something great. And that's just not did good you, enough. So did, I would did love. Did you see a, like in the preseason, he blamed his hamstring injury on coming off the bench that one game. I wonder mm-hmm. if he's like, guys, I can't close out. Look, I close out once and I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to run into the people in the front row. I don't know how to do this. Stop asking me. It's, it's weird. I can, you know, there might be some truth to like, hey, I've never come off the bench. It's weird for me warming up. It's like a starting pitcher in baseball being a reliever. It, like, it's a different a process. Fucking break. We see guys really struggle. Give hey, me no, a no, no, fucking no. break. To a degree, I think that's the thing. But get used to it. Like, that's the thing. It's game two. It'll be game three. If you commit, this is the best thing for the team. We... We'll work with you and figure out the best way to warm you up. We can have you run around like a soccer player on the bench uh, before they put soccer players in time. You see them, they, they do all their warm-ups, and then they come into the game. Russ can do that if he wants to. There's a little bit of space back there. He can do some jogging in the tunnel like he's at an AAU tournament and you're waiting for your team to play. And then stick him in. Like, work with it. We're going to provide a reasonable accommodation uh, for your workplace situation, and then you can come in and perform. But My head the I whole don't time. think they should... They shouldn't let him hold them hot. They should let him hold them hostage and just say like, oh, well, all right. Well, I guess you have to start. I can't um, play defense. That's ridiculous. Because I might tear my ACL. And I really don't want to do that. that. He's not saying that. Tom. He isn't saying I that. got hurt because I came off the bench. That's different from defense. It's not much different. It's absolutely <laughs> absurd. Uh-huh. You know who came off the bench last no, I- night? Kawhi fucking Leonard. That? Mm. For his health. Huh. <laughs> to stay healthy. Irony. It's just, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm making, I was mostly making a joke about Russ, like kind of what I was saying before about his help defense and just not having done a lot of these things on a high level before and, and it being a very difficult ask to expect somebody to be good at something they haven't practiced overnight. Um, and so it's it's just straight up a reps thing. If we're asking him to improve in these areas, and that's not traditionally something he's been doing over his course of his career, there's a learning curve that mixed in with the, you know, maybe the the. I don't want to say he has had a bad attitude yet. It's just kind of like the, the fog, the cloud that's been over this whole team, and their situation mm-hmm. that with, with the trade, you know. Can you look up one lineup for me? I think you have a popcorn machine pulled up. There was a lineup of Kendrick Nunn, Pat Beverly, Matt Ryan, LeBron James, Damian Jones that played yesterday against the Clippers. And it it was about as spaced of a lineup as you can have with this roster. 
you had a center in the game. You had at least Matt Ryan and LeBron James are tall people. Um, LeBron doing a bit more on defense than than Bev. Or I'm sorry, than Ryan. None was able to guard the point of attack. We saw him get absolutely obliterated by Clay Thompson, yep. who's just so much. It was like you know a little brother guarding a big brother. Like it's just not fair. Um, he was just too small. Uh, he's by the way, he's had a lot. He's had like six, five different either shots or passes like blocked or tipped. Yeah. Um, just because he's so small, that is that is bothersome. Um, defensively, he's been all right when he's able to defend at the point of attack. When he was playing chaser, guarding you know Clay freaking Thompson, not a great idea. But him at the point of attack, Beverly was at the two. Ryan, Braun, and Jones. How did that group do? Uh, so they played about uh, six minutes together, and they okay. went on two different runs. They won an eight-one run. They surrendered a five-zero run, and then they came back with a five-zero run of their own. Uh, that was the stretch where Matt Ryan had all five of his points. Uh, that was a stretch where Kendrick Nunn had, I think, five assists, five rebounds. Uh, sorry, he had. What am I looking? At? I don't think he had either. Of no, those no, things. no. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he he had two re- two rebounds, two assists, and a block in that. Uh, he had five okay. non. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you see the block? He got? Yeah. <laughs> Surprising. Ooh um too small still too small yeah no none's been extremely aggressive offensively um which i would say it's too aggressive if this team wasn't so desperate for somebody to try and make a fucking shot and like lonnie walker same thing mm-hmm. this team just needs somebody to look at the basket like they were gonna do something of substance outside of lebron and ad yeah those are both guys that so we're seeing it with with walkers both taking the shots and making them nuns taking the shots he had several shots missed at the rim where he did a good job reading the defense loading up on lebron and then made a cut to the opening got the ball and then put a good shot up and didn't make it um he's missed a bunch of catch shoot threes but he's getting shots up and as long as he's not like out of the rotation because he can't hit anything if they play him in the right role defensively offensively he's another guy that's going to be able to give you 17 18 20 15 12 like he's going to be a scorer um him and walker are going to be a big boost and they're not guys that are going to catch an open shot and turn it down like we've seen some other players on this team so that process okay results obviously not there but i think people are a little bit more down on him than they should be but that was an example of a lineup tom that i I think you know it's not gonna i don't want to start but having some size and like a lot of shooting out there makes sense. Throw AD in that group instead of Jones. And I think that would be a, a productive group. I don't know if that group has played together. Um, but like none in Beverly, Braun, AD. I like that a lot. Can I give you a lineup that I did not like? Now, granted, this is kind sure. of a... And for the most part, what I like about Ham so far with his lineups is the lineups I don't like. Well, outside of the starting lineup, lineups I don't like are very few and far between like how they're so it's like three minutes of overlap or like two minutes. And then you could see the the real sub pattern kind of adjusting. But it's a three minute stretch mm-hmm. here with um, I just want to make sure I get this right with Lonnie Walker, A.D., Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Damian Jones and Kendrick Nunn. Uh, oh no. And then Juan Toscano Anderson came in for Westbrook. It was like right around that. Uh, it's, so that's a pretty big group then, right? Big. You've got AD Jones and, and JTA. JTA. Again, not a long stretch <laughs> with these players, but it's just kind of like, why is there any stretch? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, One I'd like to see more of, we saw a little bit, uh, Nunn, Walker, Reeves, Braun, AD. That group played, that group group was pretty effective when they were playing. They were generating some good shots. Yeah. I, I, did you see, I, I, I want, maybe fact check me here, but I'm pretty sure, let me pull up my, my log. I'm pretty sure I saw a lineup that had like Lonnie Walker at the four. I think it, Oh, yep. Here we yeah. go. 80th at the center. And then lineups that had Beverly or Walker at the four. Russ was always point guard. And then none was in there. And then like 
Reeves or, or Ryan, but they were playing Beverly or Walker as their four in some of these. It's just so so small. So insanely small. And the thing is, Tom, when they've played with LeBron or like Gabriel at their five, they're getting to the rim less than when they have Damian Jones or AD playing the five. Because there are zero rebounds and they're not really adding more shooting. So it's just you're 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 not getting the benefits of playing small that you would hope to get. Uh, because you just don't you're not subbing shooters in and ball handling that uh, you're just you're just getting short yeah. and that's not helpful. Yeah, they've got annihilated on the boards against the Clippers. Uh, if they're able to get a few more defensive rebounds or even offensive rebounds, another shot. If you're not making shots, if you can crash the boards, get a couple more possessions that can kind of help you make make up that difference. But yeah, no winning Gabriel against the Clippers. Um, I'm not sure quite where he stands after showing some flashes. He also just looks just way, way too small. Um, especially, mm-hmm. you know, if he's going to play against the Clippers who are not just big at the five, but they're big pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah, he's like an energy guy, but, but just energy there. there he doesn't have a lot of other, skill sets that it's not like energy plus these other two or three things that are at an NBA level. It's like, he's going to get some offensive rebounds. He's going to be active defensively rotating a bit, but he's not finishing well. He's not spacing the floor. He's not particularly big defensively. Like when he's going up against other bigs, he's not winning at the boards as much as I'd like. Um, But at least he's a big body. Like I, I was happy to see Jones playing the second game after not playing in the first game. That was, or I think he put like a minute in garbage time or something like that. That was concerning to me. You can't have Bryant out and not play Jones and just commit to being ridiculously small all the time. You just, I don't, the scheme at that point doesn't really matter as much because you, you just can't rebound the ball. You're not contesting shots when you've got six foot, six, one, six, two guys guarding six, seven, six, eight players. He was a part of those two runs I told you about, right? The eight, one run and the five, oh run in the second quarter. You know, you know, it is plus minus. And again, I, I just think this is kind of funny based on those t- that first shift. He played six minutes. The second shift, he paid like three. Right. First shift, he had, went on an eight one run and a five oh run. Second shift, he was a part of a 17 r- run against. He finished minus nine in seven, po- seven minutes. So that it's hard to do that's that <laughs> impressive almost. Um, I don't know. I, I remain kind of medium to low on Jones. Like, yeah, he definitely, we need that size. Uh, but AD played every minute at center in this game. And that's kind of seems like how it's been after we thought either Jones or Bryant might start the season. Um, so clearly ham must feel like he, you know, like wants to to go to AD at the five uh, as as kind of his instinct. He, he doesn't really have other options. This is part of the problem. Um, if you're not playing, like if you're playing Jones and AD together, then you're just going to have some real, real small groups. So I, I understand spreading out Jones and AD to fill those center minutes. I just sent you the kill tracker so far. Uh, looking at kills, so three stops in a row. We also that's so that's a concept the Lakers are using. They're not tracking deaths, but we are. Those are three scores in a row against you. Um, and then looking at the ratio has a really really high correlation with how your team defensive seriously ends up looking for the season. Mm-hmm. Lakers have second most deaths. Yep, they gave up fourteen uh, in that one game. There, well, so. Oh, no, I'm sorry. This, they played two games. They, they're averaging seven. They're conceding a game. There are some other teams that are averaging more than that per game that have only played one game so far. Wow. 15 for but, uh, the games. ratio. Wow. Mm-hmm. Minnesota has 10 deaths in or I'm sorry, 10 kills in one game, which against is against the Thunder, which is, that's double what the Lakers did. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that means a little bit less than uh but yeah, so right now, small sample, so who the teams are playing is going to matter a lot in how well they're doing. But so far, the Lakers are averaging five kills and seven deaths per game. That's a 0.71 ratio. That ratio ranks 19th in the NBA so far. Again, super early, but obviously they're not where they'd like to be. They're giving up more 
you know, scoring runs against them and they're not getting as many streaks of stops as, as Darvin Ham has, has wanted. So we'll uh, continue keeping that updated. That's something that real swish list in the discord has thrown a scraper together to pull the info and, you know, make these pretty charts. So that's, that's a fun thing that we'll, we'll track this yeah, year. Yeah, it's always fun to be able to track kill-death ratio, which, you know, as anyone <laughs> who's played Call of Duty knows, anything under one is dog shit. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, Lakers with the .71 KD. If uh, you're looking for a Call of Duty comp to let you know how they're mm-hmm. doing, I hope that puts things in context that you can understand. It would be funny if this actually calibrated really well to that. That, that, would, be, <laughs> that would be hilarious. No, like really good players are like, yeah, two, two plus KD, you know, more than that. But the real sweaty tryhards. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. Tim, I don't know what to think after two games. Like, I mostly hate watching these games. There's not a lot. There's more in the Clippers game, obviously, but. Even when things go well for the Lakers, sometimes it feels like they backed into it. Um, And sometimes it does feel like a little bit of teams getting off of their stuff. I kind of felt like that against the Clippers, at least. Seems like the Clippers got out of their rhythm more than the Lakers put them out of their rhythm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't have confidence in the defense, just given the personnel. I just don't know that. I don't know that you can find a made a way find a way to make this good. Offensively, the shooting's been bad. It will be better. The scheme has been good. It's going to get even better. Like there are good process signs on the offensive end, and if at some point they do make a trade and they do infuse some more shooting, we're really going to see a payoff. But regardless, we should see them perform better. But it's I'm encouraged by what I see offensively. Just defensively, it's you can only squeeze so much out of the apple no <laughs> orange what are you squeezing tom you can squeeze anything if you try hard enough <laughs> juice out of the orange there we go i think that might be it um i'm not good with the sayings but the i'm just, <laughs> the ceiling is low with how this group is currently constructed uh yeah trade for buddy and miles already because i don't care about this team right now sorry come on gonna be like um you know like moses in the bible you can't uh part a sea if you don't see first am i right lakers media (laughs) and that's why we're waiting 20 games to make a trip yeah that's rob's (laughs) kind of allegory for you know Getting us to the promised land. We'll see how it looks. I, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's going to get better. It will get better. Uh, I think they're going to be more interested in making a trade. Uh, what I'm hoping is they're able to like knock some of these shots down at more of a normal rate to the point that they're like, oh, we are an okay team, but very much still a move away. If they're not hitting the shots, this isn't going to at face value look like a team that one of those trades makes any difference for. So they, they, they need to look a bit more competitive and they have it stretches, but shot making has been a big, big thing against them. See, but I almost think they convinced themselves. It's a like some delusion uh, other than like we're a move away. It's like, Oh shit. Lonnie Walker shooting 35% from three. We got this. We got shooting. Hmm. And the thing with the defense, too, is so far we've only seen them drop or switch. I'm glad we saw switching. I was in preseason. We only saw drop. Yeah. That was really concerning to me. Um, in the last preseason game in garbage time, we did see some switching. We saw some catch hedging, like some show and recover. They did show a bunch, just not when anybody was paying attention. So, so far we've seen two coverages. Okay. Uh, assuming they build out from that and they start soft hedging or hard hedging. Once you do that, all of a sudden the game is changed for off-ball defenders. They all of a sudden have a numbers disadvantage and need to rotate well. As long as the Lakers are only running switching and drop, you're going to see Russ have some of his weaknesses hidden. You're going to see 
Walker have weaknesses hidden. You're going to see Matt Ryan not look as bad as he could be. And if and when, and I'm assuming it's a when, the team does transition into running those other coverages because they, they need to if they're going to go anywhere, we're going to see their value drop a bit. And that that is worrisome to me because Walker has been one of the more fun guys so far. So, you know, in the, in the short term, I'm excited about, you know, Russ and, and Ryan and Walker's weaknesses being hit a little bit by the lack of needing to rotate. But if this team is to raise their ceiling and be able to run more than two coverages, those guys need to be able to, to bring it on a daily basis when it comes to making those rotations. So that's something I'm a little concerned about because as much as the shooting and offense I see just moving forward, the defense in some ways unlocking the scheme is going to also unlock more weaknesses for some players that so far we haven't really needed to see. Man, I'm I'm really glad that you feel optimistic that the $47 million role player can put some time in. Hey, we, we saw him sit a good bit there in that second game, Tom. What was it? His Yo, minutes were he should not quite a bit down. have come back. He should not have come back into that Clippers game. They absolutely went to shit the moment he re- re-entered the game. But Tommy picked off two really bad post-entry oh, passes. Oh, man. I know. Everything... I mean, credit to him for doing that, but those are awful passes, dude. This man cannot do anything quietly in basketball every single thing he does is loud for better or worse mm-hmm. he, he had five steals which is bananas that's a lot of steals but yeah like going over 11 obviously the on the defensive end outside of those steals there was a lot he wasn't doing that was troublesome the closeouts were bad the on-ball defense bad was was bad the screen navigation was bad the rotating was bad but yeah you're right it's everything's super loud with him um but you know him at 27 minutes Two games into the season, and the coaching staff seems to, you know, it's trending in the right direction. He went from 30 to 27. Do you feel better about his standing in the rotation than you were expecting to? He's not coming off the bench, but he's also not playing 35 a game. I mean, 35, he was barely playing that last year. Do I feel better? Like, I I know Schroeder's out. They, you know, probably plan on having him play a little bit you know once he's able to come back but it's gonna not gonna be right away obviously do i feel better like it's like if you gave me a vicodin and i was dying of that shit the series had are you watching house of the dragon tim i it's really good it's really really enjoying it it's like my man's like face is melting and they're like here's a vicodin do you feel better (laughs) like Slightly. Uh-huh. I feel less bad. Let's say that. Yeah. No, he's it things have gone downhill quickly for him. Uh they've done a for good Russ job to that with the show. Just like but, he's very he's very visibly different each episode. Give the man the Emmy. We should I would do an entire pod on House of the Dragon. It's been pleasantly very, very, very good. Did you watch Rings of Power? I have not. Okay. I saw a lot of people not like it. I thought it was okay. It wasn't the most connected, but right. I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, House of the Dragon's been my... That one, I've watched Rings of Power, and then I've also been watching Andor on the mm-hmm. Star Wars side. And I'd say of the three, House of the Dragon has very clearly been the best. Super stoked on the last episode here Sunday. And uh, yeah, give that man the Emmy already. He's done great. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Tim. That's all I got. That's all I can overreact to in two games. It's pretty much where we thought we would be a little bit different um, can I, ways. Can I paint a picture? Yeah, please. What if a week from now, yeah, close your eyes. A week from now, Trey Brown Jr. is back and he's actually like 6'7". And he might be able to shoot like 35% on threes. And we no longer have Russell Westbrook guarding Kawhi Leonard. We no longer have... Lonnie Walker playing the four. We no longer have Pat Beverly guarding guys six inches taller than him. We have an actual wing that's able to play. Imagine Russell Westbrook, his minutes continue to decline a bit. He's he's down in the mid to low 20s at this point. He's getting 23, 24 a game, and they're staggering him a bit more with LeBron. Maybe he starts, but then throughout the rest of the game, 
they do a good job of staggering him and LeBron. So he's effectively coming off the bench, just not coming off the bench for the first minute of the game. And the three-point shooting is better. It has to be better. And the fact that the Lakers are able to design threes for their good three-point shooters is suddenly paying off. The team has already figured out how to counter post help. So LeBron and AD are, are better able to play 1v1. They're looking dominant. And Damian Jones is in the rotation. Maybe Thomas Bryant comes back. And the teams, they're just they're bigger. They're shooting better. They're slotting guys a bit better. We're seeing the stagger in the rotations. Austin Reeves is in the rotation a bit more. He's playing. He's taking some of those rust minutes. We're seeing that secondary playmaking from him. We're seeing the ball handling. Lonnie Walker's continuing to do good things. You know, these are all, to me, realistic things we could see happen. Kendrick Nunn's able to hit a shot. These are these are things to look forward to, Tom. It's so, not do it, it shouldn't be all doom and gloom. It's been bad, but it's it will get better. After everything you described, my extremely vivid basketball imagination just <laughs> flashes. 43 and 39. 43 and 39. That's the utopia That's you described, Tim. Yeah. How how's that eight seed feeling, Tom? <laughs> About five hundred. No, I mean, like, uh, not to be like jokes aside, like what you described to me at like its ceiling is like, still a very average team. I, I cut out for a second. I, I was just saying, like, what you described to me is still at even at its ceiling, like a fairly average team. I don't think so. I think. I think if you add some size and truly maximize this roster rotationally and, and they're actually hitting their threes, I think this is a, this is an exciting team. I don't think they're a home court team. I think they're maybe a seven seed, maybe pushing for a six seed. Um, but they're a much better team than we've seen for the first through the first two games, which the way they're playing is not a playing team. Um, so I, it's, it may not be a title team, Tom, but it'll be a much more fun team to watch. And I hope so. I think it'll it'll be much more clearly like, hey, we're actually we might be a move away, and we might see the front office be willing to do something. Maybe it's nope. not, a, you know, a specific trade we want, but you know, there are options. There will be options, and they'll make some sort of move. I hope so. I've lost most of my little faith in Rob Palenka over the last eighteen months or so. But um, one thing I will say, Tim, is that shout out to guys like Juan Toscano Anderson, Lonnie Walker, Austin Reeves, uh, even to some extent, Patrick Beverly, because you watch these guys play and they are trying. They're trying very hard. And I know it's mm -hmm. easy to say, like, yeah, they're getting paid millions of dollars. This is their job. This is their passion, basketball, blah, 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 whatever you want to say. After the team we watched last year and the the quit that that team gave, it is nice to see guys really hustle after something that might not give them anything. You know, the 50-50 balls, the diving on the ground. Uh, it's nice to see. That's that's where my, my bar's at with this team, at least. They're trying. They're putting the effort and the work in, it seems like so. I hope you're right. It just seems like this is like such joyless basketball play being played which is overall like there's no data for that. There's no, it's yeah, again, as soon as the check. shots start falling though, once the starts shots start falling, it'll, I think that's, that's the biggest thing right now. If you can't hit anything, no matter what you do, it's, it's really agonizing watching. Once those threes start falling, I think you'll, you know, the team will be looking better. They'll be feeling themselves. You'll be feeling better about them. Well, you know, we'll, we'll check in. We'll check in in a week, and then two weeks and three weeks, and we'll see if they turn this around. This just sounds so familiar. I just feel like I've read this book before. Anyway, no, we'll, we'll, we'll couch it there for now, Tim. We got to go. Okay. Um, do your plugs. What do we got uh, cooking up in the Discord this week? Uh, is there anything going down? Doing some playbacks this week? What's going on? Yeah, so we've been doing playbacks. I got to figure out – I got to take a look at the schedule this upcoming week and see which games I want to do. But we did uh, – two no we did one game on we did the first game and then yesterday i was able to do 
the the game for a little bit before my Wi-Fi like crashed. But the playback streams have been a lot of fun. It's it only took a couple minutes of me watching the game with like Reggie Miller commentating for me to be like, oh man, I wish I wish I didn't have to. Um, so being able to you know bring on fun guests, talk about the game, point out some of those things live, the X's and O's, and be able to say, hey. The reason Kendrick Nunn's not doing anything in the pick and roll is because the, the, the Warriors are switching. The reason that LeBron isn't taking these shots right now is because he's being doubled. The reason why that, you know, being able to point out those specific things and say, hey, you know, at halftime, this is what we should be looking for the team to do. And then if they do it, we get excited. If they don't do it, we, you know, we at least know what to be looking for. That's a bunch of fun. The chat's all synced up. Um, I immediately after leaving the playback and watching just on my TV, couldn't go in the Discord game chat, couldn't go on Twitter because people were ahead of me um, or people were behind me. So being able to uh, enjoy the game at the same time is, is a blast. Bring on fun guests is a bunch of fun. Something that I'm doing that's new at the Film Room uh, channel in the Discord for the Lower Bowl crew. So that's five bucks a month or above. In addition to getting bonus pods, in addition to getting Film Room content with video and me breaking stuff down, I've also... I mentioned it earlier, I'm logging every single offensive half-court play the team runs. And I'm saying, all right, for this play, these are the five guys on the court. They ran this set play and it got a LeBron pick and roll ball handler drive for a missed shot at the rim or whatever, or made shot at the rim. And aggregating all of that, we're able to take a look then at a bunch of different, you know, which lineups are getting what kinds of shots, which set plays are getting what types of shots. When the team is running their motion offense, how does it look? When they're just freelancing, how does it look? Um, so being able to break the game down that way and get a look at the process is a lot of fun. That's how I'm able to say, hey, when they run their set plays, they're getting you know to the rib 48% of the time. Stuff like that is, uh, it's going to be much more insightful than just looking at like lineup data super early on or just try to read the tea leaves of box scores. So that's something I'm going to keep doing. I'm going to keep updating the uh, Lakers playbook. So uh, I've had people tell me, you know, they have it pulled up as they're watching the game and they, you know, they see the play and then they're able to find it and see, you know, here's what the team was trying to do and worked or why it didn't work. And I'm including notes in there that say that like, this is good against switching or this is a drop coverage beater. That kind of stuff can help people connect what they're watching with what that game be behind the game is. Um, so that's a bunch of fun. Uh, if you want to get into there, you know, DM us a five-star review of the podcast or check out the link in my bio. You can click on that, see the different tiers. Shout out to TJ Tomotaji for being an arena sponsor with us, as well as Q, uh, Q Daddio, uh, Zach Harris, iPod Shuffle, Romario Chamber, Miguel T. Shuttleworth, uh, Omar, Eric, Roy, Doppel, Abdul Rahman, uh, all those guys for all those uh, people for living the high life with us in the owner's box. And then everybody else at that courtside tier, lower bowl tier. Lots of great extra content in there. It's, you know, just like with the playback, we can't guarantee the Lakers are going to play well or it's going to be a fun game or they're going to hit their shots. But we can at least enjoy it better, learn from it, learn from each other a bit more and, you know, just have that community element. So that's that's my plug. Love it, man. I'm definitely going to try to join you, uh, schedule permitting sometime here, maybe for like a weekend game or so. Keep me updated. We can uh, link up and keep this thing going at least we have uh each other tim even when mm. the lakers are not where we want them to be so come back join the discord by sending us a five-star review uh take a picture screenshot whatever's easier send it to tim or i we'll get you that discord link but uh, until next time we'll talk to you later take care